these are massive threats to profitability at these organizations. What RTLS does is automates this, makes it more precise and accurate so you don't really fail. You precisely know what's happening and you can guarantee that this is exactly what happened to improve their bottom line, meaning it cuts out the inefficiencies, it cuts out a lot of losses that are related to manual systems and human error. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. Remember walking around a gym to find the weight you wanted for your next set of exercises? It could be even more frustrating and inefficient to locate a tool or asset in a large manufacturing facility or a warehouse. What if you had real-time tracking of your tools and assets that you could locate by tracking their real-time locations. The RTLS technology is powerful and helps manufacturers in tracking critical resources on the shop floor. In today's episode, we have our guest Viran Maturia from CVO Networks who describes how a real-time location system also known as RTLS works and how it helps manufacturers. He also discusses several examples of how large enterprises and SMB manufacturers are using the technology as of today. Finally, he provides insights into various competing technologies available in the market, including RFID and Bluetooth, and discusses their limitations and applications. Let me introduce Varan to you. Varan Mathuria is a real-time location systems SME with a decade-long tenure helping customers in the manufacturing and supply chain innovate and grow cost-effectively. His most notable accomplishment is helping BMW and many other manufacturers leverage precise real-time shop floor visibility data for significant cost and quality gains. So far, Varan has delivered operational differentiation with 300-plus asset and WIP system deployments supporting manufacturers in North America, EU, and Asia. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hey, Varan. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Of course, my pleasure. Just to kick things off, do you want to start with your personal story and current focus? Absolutely. So as you know me, right, uh, Viran Mathuria, I am my story, let's say that. Uh, so my story is full of manufacturing, basically. all started in uh, the manufacturing world, right, as soon as I got out of school over the years and yeah, focusing on real-time location systems and automatic guided vehicles and core manufacturing that is like the core heart of America, basically, if you would. I moved on from uh, there into the world of sales, marketing, and then uh, general management in manufacturing technology solutions and things like that. So that's really what is what defines me or my career is manufacturing in America. And that's something that I'm really, really passionate about uh, at the end of the day. 
I see how much we can make a difference in the American manufacturing, how competitive and efficient we can make it at the end of the day. And that's what uh, really drives me to be in this business. So, and that's where I am. Uh, I focus on real-time location systems as a core, but everything uh, that goes along with it in terms of operational efficiencies, production visibility, and things like those uh, that go along with uh, real-time location systems. So that's what I work in and focus on in terms of my career. Okay, amazing. So obviously, there are going to be a lot of exciting applications to to review for us as far as the real-time location tracking goes, right? But before we do that, we have one of the standard questions that we ask every single guest that comes on the show, and that is going to be your perspective on business growth. When you think of word growth, what does it mean to you, Belen? So growth really means uh, profitability at the end of the day for me, because uh, when we talked over the part uh, over the years in my career yeah. uh, as a consultant in the RTLS world, I've been in front of uh, CFOs, CEOs, COOs. And everyone from SMBs to large enterprises, some of my customers uh, include BMW, Tesla, Boeing, SpaceX, to some of the really small uh, mom and pop shops or companies that are building lawnmowers and things like that. So everything in between. And everywhere that I've seen, one common thread that I always see is the CEOs, CFOs, and COs. At the end of the day, they're all trying to balance, especially the CFOs, profitability with growth. So that's uh, when I think of growth, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. And it's about operational efficiencies. It's about cost cuttings, but at the same time, improving quality and uh, getting that customer to basically appreciate you as a brand, as a value provider to them. And that's what drives growth. That's how I see it. Yeah, could not agree more there. So let's say if I'm the small manufacturer and I am the the manufacturing CFO and I'm trying to understand how I can take advantage of um, real uh, time location tracking and I just don't know anything about this technology. So describe to me how this technology works and how it might be able to benefit me. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's say uh, from an executive perspective, right? Real time location systems, RTLS, Wi-Fi, UWB, BLE, all of these things are just technical jargon basically at the end of the day. For an executive, uh, what matters at the end of the day is how these technologies are enabling or growing the company's bottom line, right? How does it yeah. matter that these uh, technologies are growing their bottom line at the end of the day? So that's what we like to focus on from our consulting perspective uh, when we, or sorry, that's what I like to focus on from the consulting perspective is help uh, the executives understand how these technologies can help improve the bottom line. So let's start with real-time location systems. What it is essentially is tracking of anything that matters to you or your company. And this could be cars, for example, for BMW or for Airbus. It was tracking tools on the shop floor, on their production floor between three facilities on three different continents. Or for John Deere, it's tracking of their tractors outside in their big storage yard or uh, parking yard, basically, if you want to call it. And it could be tracking of NFL players for the NFL itself or the U.S. military, things like those. So yeah. tracking of anything that matters or that is of value is what real-time location systems is about. Now, that's what the technology does, is tracking. There's various different forms of that technology that can give you precise location up to 15 centimeters or a few hundred feet or 20, 30 feet at a time. Depending on what the application is, these technologies would give you those results. But the technology, what it does is gives you that data of where any asset is that you care about. Now, there's other layers on top of it, which are your business layers, 
from the business perspective is what do you do with this location data once you get them in? That's yeah. when the business rules and the business uh, workflows apply. And those are already in place at most companies that we go to. Like, for example, when BMW invited us to start tracking their tools and cars on the assembly line, they were already doing that for the last 30 years or 40 years more, probably, where they were tracking their cars on the assembly line. They were tracking their tools where they were by various different methods. What the RTLS system does is enables those same exact workflows in a much more automated and a much more precise way. What does that mean? Now, that means if you know where a car is on the assembly line and where a tool is on the assembly line, every time an interaction happens between that car and a tool, a digital record is created of that interaction. Everything that happens around it, a bolt being tightened or a seat being installed or a security system being installed in the car, all of that is digitally automatically recorded based on those interactions that are provided by the actual location of all the tagged assets. What this does is previously with the manual processes or the old processes, there were inefficiencies, meaning recalls, waste. You have to scrap certain cars. You have to recall certain cars because the processes failed or there were some loopholes in those old processes that were bypassed by somebody, things like that. And this causes downtime. This recalls are massive. And I think we are all aware of recalls in this world today, in the automotive world, at least thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of cars recalled and things like that. So these are massive uh, threats to profitability at these organizations anywhere in manufacturing. What RTLS does is automates this, removes, uh, removes that human error portion and makes it more precise and accurate so you don't really fail. You precisely know what's happening and you can guarantee that this is exactly what happened in a, through your historians and stuff like that. So this is what real-time location system helps uh, companies to improve their bottom line, meaning it cuts out the inefficiencies, it cuts out a lot of losses that are related to manual systems and human errors and stuff like that. And that is how that technology enables old processes become more efficient, more lean, improves quality and things like those. And if you go to the other end of the spectrum, it even improves the customer experience or even at the end of the day, employee morale. I'll give you a perfect example of Tesla. Uh, at Tesla, we didn't do anything what traditionally BMW or Honda or Toyota did. We did actually a very, very cool project with them where the workers or line managers, I would say, actually not workers, but line managers, uh, they would have Google glasses on. And one of the most tedious and boring tasks that would always uh, weigh on employee morale would be going in front of every single Tesla that's parked in a parking lot with thousands and thousands of Teslas in there to check on certain cars or find a certain win number. At the end of the day, you know, if you're in a parking lot, you will see a Honda, Tesla, Toyota, BMW. If you go to a Tesla parking lot at the plant, every single car is a Tesla. And finding the one that you're looking for is a very painful process. So now with this Google Glass application, Every time a line manager walks in front of a Tesla, the system knows where this person is, where the car is, and it automatically pulls up the entire record of that car in front of it, saying, okay, this is a win number, this is a defect, if there's a hold on the car, if there's a shipment hold or whatever, XYZ, it gives the entire uh, cheat sheet of that car in front of that person without having to scan, without having to pull up any manual paperwork or tablets or anything like that. So that employees really, really love. They actually love to go out in the yard and perform work, and they were performing much better than they would on a usual day when they had to do, when they had to do things manually. So that's the other end of the spectrum is helping 
employee morale with like really cool and really innovative technology and stuff like that. So that's where all of this comes in. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the SMB business scenarios, right? Let me see. When I look at these two markets, especially when you compare the enterprise market versus the SMB market. So the examples mm-hmm. that you provided, majority of those companies are really big. So if I look at my average SMB customer, they are not going to have the same set of budget that these enterprise companies are going to have. They are not mm-hmm. going to have the similar problem. So have you guys done any work in the SMB space by any chance? Do you have any practical applications? And when I say practical application, they should be improving something. So if you can talk about some of the SMB applications of these technologies, that will be super helpful. Absolutely. Yeah, we can take some of those as well, uh, for sure. So uh, let's, I think I can explain the same exact thing with another example. I can't name the company, unfortunately, but I can uh, give you a very deep description of the process. It's a a process manufacturer. And one of the key issues they had was stale inventory or stale raw material, material, basically. And at this point, they were storing everything in totes and there were different ingredients and different materials that they were storing in different totes. And what tend to happen, uh, what tended to happen was anything that was in a corner buried deep within would pretty much expire almost guaranteed every time before it was being used. And this was becoming a huge, huge, huge issue for them because it was at the end of the day, it was a bottom line, right? So uh, what real-time location uh, tracking in this specific scenario did was it helped them not only by by finding, which is very common application today, you will see it everywhere that, yes, you can track where every single thing is. With ultra-wideband based real-time location tracking, which is like the top of the top line, RTLS systems is ultra-wideband where you can get 15 centimeter accuracy. It would show them exactly where that tote is located in a warehouse full of like hundreds or thousands of totes. So number one, it would help them find it. But yeah. we went two steps back, even further uh, backwards is when inventory arrives, we using uh, some of our machine learning and AI powered applications, we were able to help them understand how to store these things. So based on scheduling, based on historical data, based on how the orders are stacked up from their ERP system or from the MES, even the storage of these raw materials would be guided in a very systematic way, which would help them, you know, when you want to retrieve it, that thing that you want to retrieve is not at the very end or not in the very corner, it stays in the front. So it kind of helps manufacturers or process manufacturers uh, utilize every single piece of their inventory without letting it go to waste and things like that. Also helps them, of course, find it and find exact uh, stock levels of every single uh, piece of material or inventory that they have that can be utilized and things like that. So that's one way we help improve the bottom line by cutting out waste completely. Uh, the other way we helped them was completely digitizing the record of uh, how uh, these parts were entered into the system, how the orders were taken, and how things were shipped out between facilities and things like that. So as soon as something comes in, Usually manufacturers or SMBs usually have a process of, you know, recording uh, things on notes or clipboards or whatever. If sometimes they will have a mainframe based system where they will put in uh, the record digitally, but it would usually be very, very limited and not very agile in how they record these uh, incoming parts or incoming inventory and stuff like that. So the way to improve on this is really digitize all of this processes using cloud-based applications. So the moment something comes in, you make a record, you tag it, and from that point onwards, that's a live asset. Anywhere in your facility that it goes, you will have its location, you know where it is, you know that it exists, and all your other systems will know that this piece of equipment or inventory or asset exists 
in the system, in our factory, on our shop floor. So they will be able to find it and utilize it through the entire value chain of from the time it comes in to utilized or being mixed into a product or being installed on a product. And then when the final product leaves and goes to another facility, every single thing is uh, tallied or basically reconciled digitally without having anybody manually tracking or manually scanning any single piece. So what it helps with is removing human errors, uh, removing a lot of time spent on scanning and labeling and stuff like that. You put an asset tag at the very beginning and you remove it at the very end or you remove it when it's delivered to a customer or shipped from your facility. There's nothing in between that you have to do manually. Everything is automated. What it does, again, is it takes out all the redundancies in the process. It takes out a lot of manual intervention, meaning manual errors or human errors in all the, all of these SMB manufacturing facilities, basically, where a lot of error is based on human error because yeah. the workforce kind of moves quite quick and training and onboarding are also very, very difficult or time-consuming and uh, costly. So this helps with uh, removing a lot of those human errors and touching on the bottom line of some of the SMB manufacturers. So I'm going to have some clarifying questions there to understand the better scope of the technology. So obviously this is very exciting in the, let's say if they have their processes digitized in the most common scenario, they are going to have some sort of, you know, barcode. The shop is not automated at all. Then it's a different story. But in the typical scenario or the average scenario, majority of the manufacturers are going to have some sort of ERP system, they are going to have some sort of barcoding. So you mm-hmm. are uh, saying that this technology is going to help them in going from this barcode stage where the workers or shop floor workers have to do a lot of um, scanning and labeling, and that actually increases the effort. In your case, that's, that effort is not going to be required, and they can simply track based on the tag that you have put it on the asset, right? So now let's talk about the the form factor of the technology. And so how small the technology is, and we have seen several different technologies in this space. And I don't know if you consider them as your competitors or they are completely different technologies. So we have had one guest that was talking about more of the RFID technology. I don't know if RFID is going to be similar to RTLS. And then there are some more technologies that we have seen in this space that are doing similar things from the tracking perspective. Some try to track the torts, some try to track shelves, some try to track tools. And I'm pretty sure every technology is going to have their own limitations. They are going to have their own pros and cons, and they are going to have their own applications as well. So tell me where RTLS is going to be the right fit, in which application, what is the form factor? What is the difference between this technology from the RFID technology and the other technologies that you have seen in the market? Absolutely. That's, I think that's a fantastic question because that brings a lot of clarity to what we're discussing here. So thank you for asking. Now, I will take the first one I will take is uh, differentiate RFID and RTLS so we can completely uh, set a perfect base for our conversation. Yep. Is RFID, in very simple words, is approximate location, okay. uh, meaning I was here or I was not here. I'm not here. Okay. So a part is here or a part is not there. That's all RFID can tell you. In a room, depending on if it's a passive RFID, active RFID, UHF, or any of those, the accuracy range and all of that varies. But in very simple terms, RFID is kind of like presence. It's there or it's not there. Right. And that too only if you pass by a reader, or that's only if you bring a reader next to a tag, then you can tell. Otherwise, okay. it's not going to know anything. Now, RTLS is real-time location system, right? So the real-time portion means it's actively uh, tracking that asset, meaning that tag that's on an asset is actively beaconing its location. It's saying, I'm here, I'm here. And that varies anywhere from, let's say, once every minute, once every hour, 
to 10 times a second. It could go at fa- as fast as 10 to 30 times a second sometimes. So if you want to track NFL players, you probably want 30 to 40 uh, times a second, a 40 hertz frequency, versus if you're tracking a tote sitting in a warehouse, uh, once per minute is good enough. And all of those, of course, go back to the battery life of these assets and the form factor that you're talking about. So form factor can be as small as one square inch, which is really the size of the battery that actually powers it. Uh, if you do about, let's say, once a minute on the smallest form factor, you can get a battery life of about, I would say, 12 months to 18 months. So you're changing battery every year as part of your annual maintenance, basically. Versus if you do something in the sense of a 40 hertz, then you're probably changing batteries every few weeks. But those 40 hertz are really very, very niche applications. All the standard industrial and manufacturing applications that we talk about range from once a second to once a minute, depending on what the application is. If it's moving on an assembly line, we want to do once a second. That way it's more real time, things like that. There's different form factors. Uh, Most of the tags uh, that I've seen on the market are everything from a wristwatch, kind of flat Apple watch, almost like an Apple watch, actually. So way before Apple watches were popular, these were the tags that companies were using. I've personally used it at some of the department of VA and uh, some other small industrial applications where we were tracking people. So they wear it as wristwatches kind of things, or you can have certain flat ones that are acting as your employee badges and things like that. Yeah. Versus there are some that are longer battery lives, bigger batteries yeah. that could be mounted on bigger assets like machines or big totes and stuff like that. And at that point, those batteries could last anywhere from you know two years to five years straight without having any intervention. And they have like rugged exterior and stuff like that. So that's I think that uh, that covers the form factor and the battery life and uh, things like those. Now, as when we talk about the applications, so in the world of RTLS. The very bottom, actually RFID in some form can be considered as RTLS. So at the very bottom of the spectrum or the very left is RFID, passive tracking. I'm here, I'm not here kind of thing. And you can keep going up from there to say Wi-Fi, which is still approximate locations um, that you can get in terms of, I would say, 20 to 30 feet or 50 feet sometimes. You can go further up in Bluetooth, uh, low energy, BLE, they call it. Those tags and Bluetooth 4.0 and now with Bluetooth 5.0 and even further, they're getting more and more accurate, or I would say at least accuracy is improving over the years on the Bluetooth standard. So you can get as close as a few meters of accuracy. And in a lot of industrial applications that work, where Bluetooth fails is it's not very robust in industrial applications involving a lot of metal. So if you are in an industrial location, and that's been my experience in the last 10 years of going back and forth in almost every single manufacturing, uh, automotive OEM manufacturing plant in the country and a lot of other ones, metal is a predominant material. Yeah, You will see metal everywhere. Steel is what built America, right? So that's what we see everywhere. And Bluetooth doesn't perform very well in those scenarios. So Bluetooth can work very well. And let's say hospital tracking where patients and clinicians or stuff like that, or smart buildings where you're tracking workers or people inside buildings and stuff like that. That's where it would work fine. But in industrial applications, manufacturing applications, Bluetooth fails uh, on any metal application. So that's a big issue. Uh, then you can go, I think Bluetooth, Zigbee, and a lot of other lower band applications kind of thing, though, they all fall in that same spectrum. And I will fast forward to ultra wideband from there on, which is top of the line in terms of accuracy and in terms of its robustness with metal. So in a lot of ways, if you go to the engineering side of it, Ultra-wideband actually benefits from metal because the 
radio frequency signal reflects off of those metal surfaces, an ultrawide band, if implemented correctly, has the capacity to actually use those reflection signals and make its signal stronger. So it's reception much better. So it works uh, to its benefit in certain uh, ways that the software that's powering and filtering it is powerful enough uh, to do that. So that's where ultra-wideband comes in. You can get as close as 15 to 30 centimeter accuracy. Uh, battery lives can range much longer as well. And these tags usually have the capability to communicate both ways. So a lot of times these tags are, uh, what do you call, um, built in with temperature, humidity, or vibration sensors and stuff like that. So they even provide additional information that they can upload uh, to the system, not only just their location. So they serve multiple purposes sometimes as well from that perspective. That's where the technology comes in. If you're talking metal industrial, ultra-wideband, if you're talking more buildings, hospitals, uh, non-metallic environments, you're talking Bluetooth. And then if you're talking just, I'm here, I'm not here, or retail and stuff like that, then you're talking uh, passive RFID or UHF and th things like that. So those are kind of the broad definitions of the categories of segments that these technologies can work very well in. Now, uh, going into, what was it? The applications, right? Is that Was that the next yeah, part yeah, that yeah, you wanted yeah. me to discuss? Yeah. Right. So uh, let's focus on the SMBs and applications in terms of manufacturing. Some of the key applications that you can divide UWB or RTLS in is material tracking yeah. or asset tracking, work in progress tracking. Those all kind of fall in the same category. Then equipment tracking, uh, the industry kind of likes to also mix that up with OEE, which is the overall equipment efficiency, right? And I think yep. the CFOs or COOs like to hear that because that tells them how efficiently you can use the equipment at the end of the day that they've already invested their money in. So that kind of works towards the OEE or operational equipment tracking as well. And then the other application is more on the warehousing and warehouse, what do you call warehouse operations and warehouse management systems, things like that. So uh, let's take uh, all of these three one by one. The first yeah. one, which is material handling, material tracking, you can mix it up a little bit with the warehouse management because it applies. But when I say material tracking, material handling, and work in progress, I'm referring specifically to the shop floor, the yeah. manufacturing operations, the production, where any product that you want to track for quality, for operational efficiency, uh, has a tag on it. You put a tag on it at birth when the product first comes on the assembly line. And from there on, it keeps getting tracked throughout the entire process until it is marked as sold or shipped in the ERP system at the end of the day, right? When finance can basically recognize the revenue for the, uh, for the product at the end of the day. So this is where the entire cycle happens is you start tracking it. Now you can track everything from what other parts that you put on that product and build a digital twin of that product for your records, for your quality, for your customer service, for everything else that you can think of or maintenance in the end for that product that you're building to understanding bottlenecks in your manufacturing process. For SMBs, this is very, very critical to be more and more competitive is understanding how much time a product is spending in each station in real time, not just those time studies that you do because we've seen this over the years when you do a time study, workers perform differently. And under normal operating conditions, workers perform very differently. So understanding how much time a product is spending in each station of your manufacturing process, and not just by product, not just by the variant of that product or a different model of that product, but also by workers. So that helps you understand how much time is new, are new workers taking to assemble the same product 
that a veteran of 10 years that has been working there is taking. That helps you improve your other backend processes, such as onboarding and training of these new workers to make sure they perform at optimal levels and things like those to understanding why are these products, let's say, going through these five stations. And then when they go through a test station in the end for quality testing or operational testing or functionality testing, they fail and then they come back and they go into that infinite loop. I'll take a good example here. One of the customers uh, that manufactures uh, generator sets yeah, uh, or parts for generator sets, actually. They, I still remember it so clearly. I was in Wisconsin and the manufacturing engineer on the floor took me there uh, saying, this is our black hole. So welcome to our black hole. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> and he's like, this is the place where parts come, a completely built product. And then I'm expecting that to be shipped today, tomorrow. Yeah. And it spends a week in there sometimes. Sometimes it comes out in the same day. Sometimes it spends a week in there just going round and round and round. And we just don't know why. The process says if a worker sees some problem they during the test, they will put it back for fixing or repair or rework. From rework, it has to go back into test again. Yeah. And if something else shows up, they have to write it up for that. Then it goes back to rework. Something else shows up, they have to write it up again. So it just goes in that cyclical loop, basically, without having any visibility other than some paper notes that most of the times actually get lost. Because if a product goes into rework and test five times, those paper notes that are being stuck on that product or that palette will get lost eventually. Or sometimes, plain and simple, he's like, sometimes I can't even understand the handwriting, what they're trying to say. Yeah. And then every person is trying to describe the same issue in a very different way because they're writing it with a pen on a paper. So they're describing that issue in a very, very different way. Now, this was a perfect example where we could hit a jackpot for that manufacturer because we could track. And when something went into rework, the operators had an option to pick what is a problem and immediate visibility into where our problems are, what is failing. And then they went back to the assembly processes at those stations to fix those processes, to fortify or make those processes more efficient. So they don't fail during test or, you know, so one of the common ones that I still remember, this was at least eight years ago, but I still remember it was the wire harness, the way they were clipping it in, it wasn't sitting right. So they changed that process of how to clip and how to verify uh, by pulling it back up and things like those to make sure that it didn't fail during test. It's as simple as that, but having that visibility improves that bottom line by a huge factor is helping these customers understand, okay, now you're not losing hours and hours and hours of production time, test time, employee time, all of those things. And sometimes in the end, they scrap the product because you know it's been through tests like five times. They're like, let's just rebuild a new one because this is a waste of our time kind of thing. So it's just all of that waste, all of that time is saved immediately. And managers at the plant level have clear visibility into what's going on at each station. Do we need more training? Do we need to split processes? On the other side, uh, I want to touch on the variant part because this is becoming very, very common is customers want customized products. This applies yeah. to cars, but it also applies to a lot of uh, small manufactured parts and products or white goods that we buy today. Everybody yeah. wants very customized products at the end of the day. So the number of variants that are available, the number of variants that manufacturers have to manufacture today and push into their through their ERP system is just uh, basically growing exponentially. And a lot of times manufacturers have to do it, but they don't have any visibility into, hey, how adding more products on our line 
or multiple variants in the same line is affecting our bottom line at the end of the day. Our workers being able to keep up, what kind of training do we need? What kind of processes do we need to add uh, to make sure that we are efficiently at the same uh, quality and the same uh, throughput that we're producing these same multiple variants that we were doing only two or three uh, back in the days kind of thing. So these this tracking at such a granular level gives you that visibility into all of those little things at the end of the day. And today, CFOs are not just, you know, managing financial transactions. They've become this voice of reason for the shop floor. They've become the strategist, right, that are coming up with uh, innovation strategies that they need to finance or that they need to invest in. So their bottom line has improved, their quality and their profitability and everything that they're manufacturing is improved. If you run a product five times through test, all your profits are gone right there at the end of the day. So improving that or, you know, cutting those losses is where CFOs are stepping in and, you know, kind of becoming the strategy leaders, helping the shop floor innovate and investing in those right technologies from that level. Yeah. So I can clearly see the application in some of the, some of the cases where, let's say, if you have a tool, obviously it's going to be super relevant because you, you want to know where that tool is on the shop floor. You don't want to be roaming around either on the warehouse or the shop floor to be able to identify that. But let's say mm-hmm. if you have very systematic process, um, you know, I don't know how useful this specific technology is going to be. And sometimes in my uh, opinion, and, and you could uh, you could tell me if you have seen something similar, you know, uh, b- because of the form, form factor, right? So it's not necessarily a tag. Uh, it's really a device, right? So in some manufacturing applications, I think um, it could be slightly disruptive, right? Because you have the battery. And let's say if you are producing the food product where you don't want to have battery near that food product, then I don't know if you want to have this device near uh, your toe. So mm-hmm. so that could be one caution that I can see. So let's say if you have the systematic manufacturing process uh, and the product actually moving through line, then I don't know if this is going to have a real application. But let's say if you have a tool or asset that you are trying to track, obviously it's going to be super beneficial. So let's talk about the form factor that you mentioned. And, and I would like to know the cost as well. Typically, when we are talking about, let's say, the barcode or RFID, the cost is probably going to be, you know, a few pennies or or a nickel, <laughs> right? Uh, even though mm-hmm. there is going to be cost added from the labor perspective that you highlighted that, you know, you still have to label it, you still have to rescan it, I get it, right? But I mean, mm-hmm. what is going to be the cost of each of the tag, let's say, if I'm trying to produce the tag using this technology, what is going to be the cost for that? I would definitely answer that. But before you do that, I would definitely like to also kind of address uh, Yep. The part that you mentioned where right, it's about tool tracking or asset tracking. I do not completely disagree uh, with that, but also I don't completely agree with that. Okay. Right. Because over the years, for example, we've done applications where we have tracked or helped customers in the CPG industry, for example, but it's not, we're not tracking food products on an assembly line, right? Those products yeah. can be easily replaced if you waste something. They can yeah. be easily replaced. But if you're manufacturing a generator set or a piece of a microwave or a refrigerator or something, that's not as easy to replace because that items cost way more than whatever you're manufacturing in the food facility, right? So it's yeah. two different applications, but in the CPG, usually it's about tracking off uh, the inventory, the perishables to make sure the custody, the chain of custody has been followed throughout. If they've been through the cold storage facilities and things like that, that they're supposed to be, or if they've been left outside for an extended period of time, things like those. So the safety compliance and other applications come in uh, to play in the CPG industry where the RTLS gives you much better granularity of how many, how many minutes, how many seconds your products or your raw materials have spent in different areas of your process to cut off a lot of risk, basically, of shipping bad product or recalls and 
you know, tarnishment of the brand reputation and stuff like that. So yeah. very different applications from uh, your traditional industrial manufacturing, where anything that's of value that you're manufacturing, you put a tag on it at the beginning of the production process and you take it off at the end and you recycle those tags. So they're reused over and over again, right? So that's the process that ultrawide band or active uh, RTLS system that are deployed globally anywhere uh, yeah. have to follow that you have to change that process where certain things are added that you put a tag on and you take it off and you recycle it, things like that. So that comes into play. Now, it's not just about tool tracking, right? Tool tracking is just one small thing about it, but the product tracking and tracking the product is not uh, the end goal. The end goal is the analytics, the insights that come out of it saying, okay, I knew the product is here, but big deal, yeah, when I look at it or when I want to find an asset or a tool, I can find it quickly in the system. That's great, but that's not the ROI. That's not what yeah. we are interested in providing to our CFOs or COs. That's just a byproduct that you can find something very quickly. So it will save you a few minutes. Sure. What it helps them is the analytics of here is the process in real time, not just how you designed it years ago or how you designed it last year to work, but here's how it's working against your benchmark system that you designed. So if you said our tag time or our assembly process is 60 seconds every station, but this real-time data will actually show you if it's 60, if it's 55, or if it's 75 or 90 seconds. And that really helps you understand where you're losing money, where you're bleeding time efficiency and uh, throughput overall. So that's where these things come in is at an enterprise level or at, uh, at an organizational level, plant level, you can see where your inefficiencies are, your bottlenecks are, and how you can improve them and how you can enforce certain processes, how you can make sure uh, production and plan production plan and actual production are going exactly the way you imagine it would go or how you planned it kind of thing. Now coming to the cost part. So yeah. you're right about the cost of the tags and labels, right? Uh, the barcode labels is a few few cents uh, on an average. When it comes to RTLS tags, they range anywhere from 30 to $50 a piece, depending on the manufacturer, depending on who's providing it, of course, uh, to the most expensive ones I've seen or I've sold personally in back in the days are $600 that go uh, on top of trailers and tractors, uh, basically yeah. to track those assets. They're a mix of GPS and ultra wide band and stuff like that. So there are multiple technologies mixed into one. But the cheapest one uh, you can go for tracking inside your industrial facility could go as long as uh, as low as $30 to $50 a piece. All right, that's <clears> it for today. Do you have any last minute closing thoughts by any chance? Absolutely. So in the world of technology, or in the world of uh, RTLS, as we like to call it, right? Uh, this is a very specific, very niche technology. Over the years, I've seen uh, working with different companies, small and big. Uh, yeah. The biggest challenge we've had is explaining the benefit of this technology and how it affects the bottom line of any manufacturer at the end of the day for any operation. And what I realized what we were not doing correctly over the years was we were talking too much technology. And from there... That's what I've uh, come up with in terms of training our sales teams and training everybody is we always go with a simple motto is talk simple, but think complex. So work out all the complex technology, all the little RTLS, RFID, Bluetooth, ultra wideband, batteries, form factors, work out everything in the back end. But when you are presenting this to your CFOs, to your CEOs, you want to help them understand how it will help their bottom line is how it will help with efficiencies and how it will help with uh, cost savings at the end of the day. 
So I think that's my closing cost in the world of RTLS is that's how this world is going to be more and more popular over the years. All right. My personal takeaway from this conversation is going to be there are many technologies out there. So it's really up to you how you want to take advantage of them. So on that note, I really want to thank you for your time, Varen. It's been an insightful and fun conversation. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Varen or CVO, head over to CVO.net. It's S-E-W-I-O dot net. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Andrew Johnson, who discusses the evolution of RFID tags and how RFID technology is no longer limited to tracking high-value assets. Also, the interview with Amanda Schledy, who discusses how contact tracing works and how it can help manufacturers understand and analyze trends. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.